Injured at work in a motor vehicle accident or had a fall in a public space? Speak to Your Claim Lawyers, a no-win, no-fee, personal injury claims law firm that specialises in maximising compensation claims for injured people. Call 1-800-YOUR-CLAIM or yourclaimlawyers.com.au. It's time to cast off on a new adventure. This is Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood. Good morning and welcome to Real Adventures from wherever you are listening right around the country. Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Habgood joining you this morning to talk all things fishing, boating and the great outdoors. Good morning, Redmond. Good morning, Patrick. And I'm going to take you back. I'm going to go a week and a half now. And uh, Oh, boy. You missed the show. You're a little bit crook. Uh, Mate, that was a month ago. No, no, I'm on your side here. Just, just give me a minute. Whatever it was, a few weeks back, I'm on your side here because I don't think flu, so. Whatever flu you had, and you had it worse than the rest of the family. Well, I tell you what, it attacks you and I exactly the same because this thing <laughs> I had during the week was horrendous. It was absolutely no, no good, is it? No, oh, good. it wasn't. I didn't quite get it as bad as you, but it's uh, def certainly knocked me around. And of course, I was the worst in the family. And um, yeah, it was just a shocking week and. Not a bad week to have it because the uh, weather was pretty miserable here in Victoria, uh, down in Geelong. So you were up in gallivanting in Noosa, which we're going to talk about. I think you had a pretty bloody good time up there, if you ask me. I actually don't know why anyone lives in Victoria, Aaron. I've, I, 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 I just don't, I, I don't get it. After spending four days up in, uh, well, Cattery got the buy this weekend, obviously, uh, four days up there, um, it, it, it beggars belief why anyone would live south of Sydney. Because yeah, the weather, the weather in Noosa was just electrifying. We're talking the your board shorts and sort of t-shirt action, up until you know seven eight o'clock when you go to bed. It was it was unbelievable. So I went up there and, geez, I enjoyed it. Hey, I I, I hate to um, kick a man while he's down because we've been doing a bit of this via uh, Zoom during the week. Uh, during the week, but um, did you did you notice during the week uh, Geelong skipper Joel Selwood has announced a new partnership? Was it? I saw a was it an ASICS one by any chance that I'd seen, or am I on the wrong path here? No, you are on the wrong path. No, we are okay. talking. We are talking Mosh now. Not a uh, not a, a sponsor of our our show. Not exactly. Uh, sort of in our realms of sort of fishing, boating and the great outdoors. But it is important to cover the car parks. And I'm talking receding hairlines, thinning hair, that sort of thing. This is what Mosh does. Uh, so Joel's, he's, he's, uh, he's got a partnership with, uh, with Mosh. And having done a little bit of work with you during the week over Zoom, I did notice that there's enough room <laughs> either side of your forehead to park my 750 and probably a 150 towing the thing. So you're basically saying I need to call the skipper and receive some. <laughs> <laughs> I've just jumped on my phone now and I'm. Geez, you're receding, Patrick. I'm sweating, mate. I'm. I'm. Uh, it's not. It's not receding. This is a sweat line from my. No, uh, no, no. It's not. Okay. Keep going. Keep keep running that hand hand back through your head because I reckon it's almost the back of your head where that car park finishes. Patrick, when I go to the hairdresser, I make sure they leave the flanks there, so I've got something to push across <laughs> to cover it. <laughs> Between you going grey and me losing it, we're not going real well. Well, lucky we're we're spoken well, for. It's done. Like, Mate, life finished. That's we live in Victoria. It's too bloody cold. Hairlines are gone, but the barrels are still here. Well, I'm, before we go to barrel talk, I'm going to ask you a question because you just, like we said, had a 
great time up in Noosa, some beautiful weather. Now, I know you only had four days. It was a short stint regarding the turnover with the footy whatnot, but you had a holiday, so we like to call it. And well, you took, I went... you took the kids. <laughs> so let's yeah, talk about that. For, for, like, it's <laughs> a good point. If you are going to go on holidays, like, it's actually not a holiday if you just go with your wife and your children. Because you're just moving from one place where they torment you to another place where they torment you. We actually ended up having uh, my mother-in-law and my mum come up with this. And and I think you're going to do something similar, Redmond. 100%. And if you can tolerate your in-laws, and, you know, it can be difficult sometimes, <laughs> on both sides, on both sides, I tell you what, it makes the trip a hell of a lot easier. Yeah, well, I've seen a uh, poor old Georgie boy giving Jed Buse a bit of grief on the beach by the looks it on the social media. I'm tipping he got him with a bit of water. Well, you wouldn't believe it. So Saturday morning, walking down the beach, and uh, and who should I find? Jed Buse. This is 10 a.m. He's from the game, 10 a.m., bang. He's all of a sudden in Noosa, and he's late. He's lying up in the, the corner of Noosa, and all of a sudden there's uh, three young girls that come down, and they've decided to do some Instagramming where they where – they, take their clothes off, still wearing bikinis, Aaron, and, and I wasn't watching but I was looking at Jed anyway, <laughs> uh, and they were doing some Instagramming and Jed, Jed was he was concerned with what they were doing and making sure it was all legal and those sorts of things. So he had an interesting time up in Noosa Redmond. But we did hire a boat, which I think if you're going to go anywhere and you're on the water or canals or whatever, it's a great thing to do. But have you ever found that when you go fishing and you're next to someone – and they're also fishing, that without even conversing, talking to them, no interaction whatsoever, all of a sudden it becomes a competition on who can actually catch a fish. On a daily basis. <laughs> like, if you think about it, fishing's actually the most competitive sport in the world because oh, you don't – ego. Everything's ego. <laughs> everyone, no matter what, like you know that that boat's there, they're fishing in the same spot that you are for something similar – the competition's on. And it was on for us because I'm in – I've got the kids next to me. I've got the Jarvis Walker 400. And for those playing at home, the Jarvis Walker 400 is not one of the best reels going around. It's probably not in the top 5,000. Nothing against Jarvis Walker because there's a price point, and I think this one's about 4 bucks. Um, <laughs> ne- nevertheless, I had the wonderful Jarvis Walker 400. And some Noosa locals, they're flicking their, you know, soft plastics and that, looking very professional. They've got the flats boat, and you could tell. Like, they're pretty happy with themselves. So here's this Nuffy with the renter boat, kids hanging off him. And I tell you what, Redmond, I have absolutely slayed them. I don't want to talk myself up too much here, but I will. (laughs) I reckon I caught 30 fish to their zero – on a $6 rod and using old sausages or, you know, what would just finished lunch um, as bait. I'll tell so you what, the, the biggest broom we caught was 41 centimetres. So you're safe to say that everything that I've said over the past five, six years, the bait is better than plastics. <laughs> You've actually just given it to me, <laughs> even if it's sausage. If I, well, I didn't, the hooks that we were running, well, they, these were the first hooks ever made. 
not even I'm not joking. I reckon you were exactly on the rental boat that we hired up Noosa last year or the year before. The Jarvis Walker special. Yeah. The line was that salt corrosion corrosion <laughs> <at> my boat. <laughs> <laughs> and I, but it was bloody sensational. On I reckon I caught thirty brims. Biggest one was forty one centimeters. And he's always happy with myself. The head wobble coming out of the um, the party boat with the barbecue. We want, you know went the barbecue model as you do. Very very strong. So uh, yeah, so those heading the noose. So the fishing's going great. What are you using? Well, half a little bit of sausage. Just pop it on the um, on the hook, and away you go. I'm stopping this head wobble. I'm going to start mine a little bit here. I went to Port Mac during the week to chase these back. <laughs> Just a whole lot of wobble, isn't there? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm all for it today. Bugger uh, it. We went to Port Mac last week, and uh, I caught some bloody ripping fish. Um, oh, good on fish, you. That fishery there is unbelievable, Pat, at the minute. <sighs> We're in 19 to 22 metres of water where I'm catching these fish. It is absolutely sensational. 4.5K from the boat ramp. And which is, is just can, – can I interject? Which is just ridiculous. Like we talk about heading to Bermagui. You go, you love to go there every year, yeah. um, you know, fish off the shelf. We talk about going to Portland and you drive, you know, kilometres and kilometres offshore. Apollo Bay, you fish 90 k's offshore. Yet you can go to Port Mac and four and a bit k's offshore in 60 feet of water and you're getting 100-plus kilo fish. And it's a good way that you put it there, like traveling to Port Mac and everyone goes to me, well, it's a long way in the car, blah, 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 this and that. Where last year I was only traveling, I was traveling to Apollo Bay an hour and 40 minutes from my house. But trust me, I would rather spend the extra three hours in the car traveling there to have a smooth run and then to drive only four Ks and literally have the best fishing in the world and crash and bang and smash the boat and all the way out 90 kilometres off Apollo Bay. It's much easier to travel on land than it is on water. So, Talk to me about how you're targeting them. Like you've obviously no, – you've got a fo- – you got a- I can't tell you. <laughs> I got them all on um, sausages and – How fast were you trawling the sausages? Uh, no, Seven, eight knots? Live baiting them. <laughs> and if you put a split down the back tail, they actually swim like a fish. So yeah, no, I like that. All of our fish were caught on live baits, all of them, uh, marking fish up down deep and dropping baits. The very first fish we caught on the Friday morning, I said to uh, Chucky, who I was with that day, and I said to him, "What we're going to do today is we're going to put the lures out. I'll do them slowly. Keep an eye on the. You just keep an eye on the light, the the screen for me, the sonar. And if we mark up bait." Just knock the boat out of gear. I'm only traveling at five kilometers, not trying to trawl her at the moment. Just watch the sounder, mark up bait, knock it out of gear, drop the sabiki down, let's catch our bait. Sure enough, Chucky drops down, pulls up some yakis, and he goes, oh, I think there's a barrel on the screen. And I said, yeah, no, that's definitely a barrel on the screen, Chuck. So I, one of the yakis <laughs> fell on the ground. I grabbed the live bait rig, right in the back holder. I threw it out, and I swear to you, before this thing even did one kick of the tail, this fish that was on the screen – has just raced up out of the water, whole flank of it out of the side of the water, and I had 35-centimetre yakka out of my hands, basically, and screamed off. We managed to land that fish, and we uh, released a couple more, and we lost one getting bitten off, but that was because that same rod had caught four fish, so I never changed the hook. But we're on the, we're on the way in. We weren't really phased. But, uh, and we were back in at the ramp by 11 o'clock, and on the road by 12 o'clock, fish cleaned, food, fueled up, ready to go. So... That was just one of those days that was just worked and went our way. We reported uh, probably, a, I reckon, a month ago around 
how much traffic has been at Port Mac. You know, a few hundred boats, like the the car park, absolutely going gangbusters. How many boats were down there and working the area? Are you experiencing traffic on the water, or has that sort of energy for you know heading down in the depths of winter sort of disappeared for people? It was myself and. Port McDonald Fishing Charters. There were only two boats out. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Only two boats out. Uh, we basically, the reason that I went was the boat ramp had a sign saying that Port Mac ramp was shut due to the dredging while the storms were there. And yeah. the way we read it, that it was opening on the Thursday. And we were actually correct. It did open on the Thursday, but you could have misread that and sort of thought it was opening, like uh, the last of the works was on the Thursday, opening Friday. Um, in that case, and we did prepare for that because it is a fair drive in the car. There's another ramp 20 k's up the coast called Black Fellas Caves. It's a beautiful place. Um, only checked it out on social media, the photos from there. And you can launch there and head down around the – but it's a bit of a – more of a dangerous ramp. It's not user yeah, friendly okay. like Port McDonald. Um, it's a it's a concrete launch, but you've got big surge and whatnot comes through. But So if you do want to head down there and that ramp is busy or shut, is an option. But then it's also a 20K back run to where the fish are. But in my head, it was like, hold on. If we head out early and by the time we travel on the coast, we actually might be able to find something on the way down there. So it might not actually be there because there's so many fish there in different areas. I had a fellow that fished on the weekend that didn't even fish where we were. He was down a few Ks. And there was patches of fish right through. So it's a there's a, there's so many fish holding there, and it's world class, absolutely world class, hundred plus kilo fish, ev- everywhere. I'm going to cover off uh, Port Phillip Bay and the heads and whether there's actually still barrels there uh, a little later in the whip round. We've got a huge show of real adventures coming your way. Uh, well, this morning, Redmond, I actually caught up with. Uh, Andrew Wright earlier in the week, and you're going to love this chat, Redmond, um, took over Calypso Charters in 2006, the Shark Charters, yep. which are genuinely world famous out of Port Lincoln. Some of the stories um, and, and just how it all began, absolutely fascinating, something that you and I both love uh, that's great white sharks and pretty much it's it's one of the, the few places around the world where you can almost lock yourself into Yep, she's a big trip out there, three hours there, three hours back, but lock yourself into um, experiencing something that, that few people do, and that's seeing a, a great white shark in the flesh. Have you seen one? Oh, I have seen one. Uh, I've seen a few, actually, but there are uh, every time you see it, it's just it's just what's an eye-opener. It's these the, how big they get, and just when they're looking at you, you think you're going to bring up – I thought you were going to bring up the time that it took the barrel off the – Yeah, you and I <laughs> – which I still got crap about, no one believe it, and even though five have seen it. But it, uh, so that's it, the biggest fish I've still ever seen in my life in the water. Monstrous. Yeah, they're just monstrous. Frightening. When their eyes look at you, like a mako's scary, but these things have another level. You're like, hold on, this thing's serious. <laughs> so they are, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to the chat. It'll be a cracker. All that and more this morning on Real Adventures. You're listening to Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood. Welcome back to Real Adventures. Before we get to what's biting in your part of the country, Redmond, uh, Victorian Fishery Authority, this is one that uh, we were chatting about during the week, but they've just finished deploying 16 purpose-built reef modules uh, north of Observatory Point inside the Port Phillip Heads. Now, they're talking about how it's going to provide um, great fishing opportunities 
um, home to more sea life, which is definitely true. But you made some interesting points what we were talking about during the week. Yeah, it's one of those things that if it works, it's going to be terrific. But I'm a little bit skeptical on where the, yeah on where they've placed it. Um, that's just my opinion. Uh, I could be completely wrong. I really hope it does work because it will make things so much easier for myself. But the one thing that I'm a little bit funny about is the Port Phillip Bay Hedge is a very dangerous waterway. It's and fisheries do a wonderful job, but they do. They they always trying to. You and I are both working with them, trying to better the fishery for, I guess, all of us Victorians. But whether it be stocking are, right around the country, like so many great initiatives that they do. They do, and everything they do, even this, even doing this pro- program is is great. But I'm a little bit funny on it. Is it going to end up banning? fishing around the port full of bay heads in itself now the reason that i say this is, this is why you're skeptical you're you're concerned redmond i i am and it there's been nearly there hasn't been an incident in the rip that i can remember of the for a period of time now and i'm going to refer back to the fact that uh say the last 10 years we've seen massive numbers of boats fishing there they've got yep. a harbor master that's called it's a big steamer that drives up and down during the summer when the kingfish are on to sort of when the ships are coming in and out they push them out of the way make sure it's no one's in the actual transit lane but an accident is going to happen here at some point um, particularly with how many boats like the increase in the sheer numbers of boats purchased in victoria and right around Australia for that matter, it's increased significantly. So those places, you know, having just been to Noosa, there was three boats um, in the past 12 months that have um, that have rolled over. We're going to see more incidences as we see more people take to the water that have less experience driving bigger yeah. boats. And with social media, uh, given like areas of fish and even things like Salt Guide, what we do, people are going to continue to fish these areas and more and more. And the Heads is one of the most dangerous waterways in the world. So by moving this artificial reef up the bay as such, I'm not sure if the kingfish are going to push up that far. It depends how much tidal water. It's going to have tide on it, but tidal waters is the key factor to these kingfish fishing them around their heads. Is it going to be safer and away from the ships? Yes, it's definitely going to be a lot safer. I hope the fishery works and drags people away from the heads just because it is safer. But also, I don't want them to sort of just ban the heads as well because it has been such a big fishery for all the local fishos. Uh, right around Point Lonsdale, Sorrento, and the local crew, as well as tourism as well that come from Melbourne and right around the state, if not the country, to come catch the fish, for example, the kingfish, in the Port Phillip Bay heads. And if they make it just a transit lane where we can go in and out of it via passing it to get to our fish offshore, I don't know. It's going to be a little bit annoying if they do do that because it has been fantastic, but I could also, in a way, understand why they would do it too. How... How can you police a transit lane, though? Like, is it, you have to go above five dots. Can't you just trawl through it or have the motor running and or just well, simply no rods to, in the water? Well, you're not allowed to anchor there. Common sense, anyway. You wouldn't. Yes. But, yep. Oh, yeah, I'd have to say there'd be no rods in the water. It's, it's just a yep. transit lane. Like, like, a, like a channel, Pat, same as any channel that runs through the whole country that we that we fish in. Like, if you're running into a shipping lane in Port Phillip Bay, you cannot fish in that. You're allowed to travel up and down the shipping lane. That's not an issue in the world. But you are not allowed to fish in there on anchor. You are allowed to drift through there, but you can't anchor. So yep. I don't I don't know how they will police it, and I don't know. It's definitely a massive topic. I read the comments during the week on the social on social media. Um, so another big thing argument was were these locally built as well, bringing jobs into here, which I think is another big factor. Which I don't, from what I was reading, I don't think it was, but I don't know. It's a it's a great thing that fisheries are doing as usual, and hopefully, fingers crossed. 
that the kingfish do show up there. There's probably not necessarily as much I get. There's not really anything else that's really exciting that could turn up there in our waters. You might get the odd snapper, pinkies, blah, blah, blah. But kingfish is the main target in this area that they've put these reefs in. Let's get to what's biting around the country. We'll start in New South Wales, Cape Banks in 30 metres of water. The snapper have been excellent. Uh, strip baits generally uh, have been the most successful. Redmond uh, mackerel fishing pretty well. Yeah, just strips of mackerel, Pat, working really, really well. Just nice long strips of it, pin it once, feed it down in the waterway, you're going to get some fish. And that current that we spoke about too off uh, Montague Island kicking in, Pat, this week had some beautiful weather out of Burmy and Montague Island. Yeah, they, they really kicked in, but not huge fish. So a lot of that 60, 65s, but there are some bigger ones around. you just got to be really, really persistent through there. And in my opinion, talk going back to that slimy mackerel chat, getting live slimy mackerels or live arrow squid, yakkers or whatnot, and working those schools of fish, and you tend to find the bigger fish will eat those baits a little bit better. If you're if you're targeting slimy mackerel as bait, you're obviously looking to sound them up first, and you're you're going a um what what sort of rig are you recommending people to really target them with? Yeah, you so there's a couple of ways you can do it. You can buy the bait jig pat like a sabiki. A sabikis are terrific, uh, but they are a pain on the backside if they get tangled. So you can even just make your own rig and run a little bit of pilly on it, and just have two hooks so you don't get that tangle. And a headland a headland is a great area to start. So any headland will tend to hold bait, especially up the New South Wales coast. There is so much life and bait uh, basically on any headland out from Eden right up to Sydney, basically. But if you can get up on those headlands there, sound up a little bit of bait, drop the anchor, get a nice burly trail going, and they'll, they should come to you and you won't have any inju- issues catching some uh, bait so you can go get those bigger pelagic fish. Uh, Western Australia, Redmond, Golden Trevally fishing quite well. Yeah, Golden Trevally fishing really good off Town Beach Jetty. So that's land-based, and they are big Golden Trevally. Like, I'm talking 8 to 10 kilo. So really big Golden Trevally off the pier and a few other species as well. And I did read a post during the week out of WA saying that this is the best land-based jetty that most people have fished off. And I had there was hundreds of comments under it, a green with some fantastic photos. So that's definitely a place to go. South Australia, Pat? Yeah, Adelaide Hills, and this is not one that we've reported a huge amount, Redmond, but uh, the hills at the moment are on fire on the trout front, which is which is great to, to see. The skinny waterways um, with little divers working quite well. Once again, if you use salters, I dare say they'd be just, just as successful. And if you are interested in your fly fishing, once again, it, it's matching the hatch. Um, and you've got to be, you know, you've got to be willing to change your fly pretty quickly to see, you know, you know, what's targeting what, but if you're willing to, to put in the extra effort, it's well worth it, Redmond. Have you been – have you fished the Adelaide Hills? I've, I've seen them only in a plane and whatnot, but have you actually fished them? Yeah, I have, yeah, with and and with selters, so uh, w- w- not with deep divers. Um, and it, it sort of reminds me a bit of the Otways in a sense that they're not enormous fish. It's not like you're, you're fishing out of Tasmania, but yeah. it is something that's different. You know, it's good. Yep. 
Uh, we spoke about Port Mac off the start of the show. That's on fire. Uh, that's just on the South Australia border, just over the big border into South Australia. So that there is literally a place to be if you if you if you can get there. Uh, Tassie King George Whiting and Salmon out of the Tama, but on Zedman Soft Plastics with the motor oil doing the damage, and that's what what I said was right. King George Whiting, so some seriously big ones too. They're around the forty eight to fifty two centimeters of the bag of fish that I've seen on social media. So. That's pretty exciting on the on the old soft plastics there, Pat. It'll keep you busy for a while. Tell me doing well. We like to hear that. Uh, Queensland, Redmond, the reefs off Lucinda at the moment are on fire. Huge nanogies coming in up to 90 centimetres. Uh, fishing along the beach in front of Tweed uh, is fishing really well, as it genu- generally does. Uh, it's been a really great week of weather, which certainly helps Redmond and sandworms working the best bait and just a, uh, you know, a immediate report out of Noosa fishing really well uh, <laughs> around the around the river mouth there and sausages once again being the uh, the killer bait that is uh, destroying most of the locals and, and, you know, some have found it really quite difficult to deal with the humili- humiliation that, uh, you know, has been cast upon them by some lo- uh, some uh, tourists just driving around in the, uh, the renter boat and the $6 rod. You can uh, you can pick up some uh, uh, pretty cheap sausages, Pat. And I know that. <laughs> but I'll tell you one thing: pippies aren't expensive, so you're definitely you're definitely on the right track there. <laughs> uh, Let's get to the social club. Uh, we take your questions from social media each and every week. Joining the conversation, hit us up on our Real Adventures uh, Instagram or Facebook. Uh, I'll kick it off, Redmond. Uh, what brand of braid do you guys use and what's the minimum spend for decent braid from Carter? Redmond, I'll hit you between the eyes. What do you spend on it um, and how often do you change it? Because that's one thing that I know that you do not do. But are you better off spending really good money on braid or are you going to spend money on the cheaper stuff? I definitely wouldn't be buying the cheaper stuff. Yeah. Uh, we're not real bad in the cheaper stuff. And not only that, the thickness of it is horrendous when you go to the cheap stuff. If you go to Kmart, and I don't even know what not don't even know what the brand's called, but I you look at it for a ten pound line, it's the same width as fifty pound line. Like it's the, the diameter th- of it. And the and the other thing is the wax filament that sits over the top of it, it makes it really difficult to, to tie decent knots. Yeah. Um, yep. you know, Finn's braid is expensive, but there's a reason for it because yeah, Finn's is a great great braid. I use Unitica. They're all all even J Braid, there's so like Daiwa does a great range, Shimano does a great range. They all do a fantastic range. Fins is probably the one that comes to my head as your sort of really good braid, but on the slightly not cheap, but on the cheaper side, where you get into Unitika and into the brim tournament stuff where they're really going for quality but super light, yeah. that starts to get pricey. Uh next one. G'day Red. Uh, I've seen that, you, that you've been hammering the barrels in only 20 metres of water. Do they fight different to deeper fish? They're pricks Luke. things. Absolute pricks <laughs> things. There's no other way to say it. They are literally – Are they worse different. in 20 or – Oh, they are absolutely shocking, Pat. So, like, even from 20 to 25 to 30 to 35, every five metres is like, get me deeper because they – when you're on top, you think, for instance, a couple of fish that we hooked, I'm going, there only must be only small fish, like 50, 60 kilo fish. It's raced to the top. I'm like, oh, we'll knock this fish over in 15, 20 minutes. I get over to it and you look at it going, that's the size of a submarine. We're not going to get that in two minutes. <laughs> and then all of a sudden you get the wind on next to the rod and he just goes, boom, 100 miles Zoom. the other way. And you're just like, oh, my God, look at that. And it just screams across the surface and then they go down a little bit. But they spend – I've had fish over the years – 
spend a lot of time at the top end of the water, uh, but they always end up down deep. They always tend to end deep by the end of it, where these things don't yep. have a, don't have depth. You do not have depth to work in your favour to pull them up and whatnot. They're, you're literally trying to set traps and trap these fish, and that's how we'll get land. And it works two ways. You make very quick mistakes by cutting these fish off with your boat because they're moving so quick and ducking under your boat. Or what, but also, I believe that with them being on top more, if you've got a good driver, you can set your trap and actually track with these fish and actually set your set your boat up alongside of it, tack with it, tack with it, and you might get a gaff shot early if you are wanting to catch it for the table. Everything that you do when you're behind the wheel and someone's uh, got a big tuna on is about making it easier for the fisherman and helping him get line back in so you're oh. not just – so it's not just you versus the fish and that is it. Oh, it depends who's on the rod. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, no, you are right. It is spot on. You just the driver is the guy's the winch that's on the rod, and the driver's the one creating the angles. And not only that, for the quality of your fish too. I'm not a massive bluefin eater. I give most of it away, or if someone wants to keep a fish, more than welcome to. But for the quality of when I clean these fish, I notice that when you do knock them over quicker, get the fish, and that hence the driving side of it you can actually – the quality comes out in that fish, the flesh times a 1,000. Like it is just so much better off, less lactic acid, less heat running through the fish. And the quicker you get it in, filtered on ice properly, the better it is. Well, not necessarily and fil- not necessarily filtered as quick as you can. Another good way to do it is actually get the guts and gills out of it, and we spoke about this the other week, and actually leaving the fish rest in one of those big fish bags for up to 12 to 20 hours – and that also brings the quality out in the fish. But it's about getting it in as quick as you can. And the driver is the one that sets the trap, does the pulling, gets the boat up on angles, trying to create opportunities to lift this fish up in the water column and then hopefully knock it over quicker rather than later. I see some a guy the other day landed a 90-kilo fish. He might be new to the game. You're not having to dig at him in the slightest because you've got to learn somehow. But it took him five and a half hours to land a 90-kilo fish. Now, that fish might have played up, and I can't – I can't speak on behalf of him because I wasn't there, but I've never had a fish do that. That's 90 kilo for six, five and a half, six hours. That's a long time to fight a fish and it's not as It's not great for the flesh of the fish either. So it's about getting, getting the driver into position quickly, getting him ready to go to set the traps and you'll have a much better quality fish. If you're interested in, in chasing these big blue fin at the moment, Southern blue fin that is, uh, Port Mac fishing really well, obviously. And, Aaron's website, Salt Guide, they actually go through exactly what it is and how to attack these fish, how to drive the boat uh, to give yourself the best chance of catching a fish of a lifetime. That is the Social Club. Uh, If you want to join in the conversation, make sure you send a direct message to either our Facebook or Instagram. We love uh, to hear from everyone listening each and every week. All aboard for Dometic. Make your next adventure effortless with the Dometic Go Collection. Just pack, stack and go. Well, it's time for All Aboard for Dometic. Go on your next adventure, Dometic.com. Earlier in the week, I caught up with Andrew Wright from Calypso Charters and we had a great yarn. Andrew Wright joins me from Calypso Star Charters. Good morning, Andrew. Yeah, g'day, Paddy. How are you going? Going very well, thank you. Now, talk to us about the story of Calypso Star and the charter business that you that you took over, and and how it really has uh, globally put Port Lincoln on the map. 
Yeah, look, well, uh, I mean, I, I started out uh, on board as a, as a deckhand on the boat with uh, uh, Rolf Shabaisky uh, back in oh, 2002. So coming up 20 years now, I didn't think I was that old. But, um, but yeah, we, we used to do the one day, uh, sorry, used to do the overnight tours. We'd go out for three or four days at a time and, uh, you know, people barely, barely knew of the cage diving. Um, and then, yeah, fast forward to 2006, uh, yeah, Ron Forster and his wife Janet decided to, uh, to purchase the business. And, uh, yeah, then they, they kept me on and, uh, gave me the opportunity to buy in with them, uh, at the same time. So 2006, we, uh, Took over and, and started doing the uh, the one day tours, so uh, that really opened it up to uh, a, a much wider audience sort of thing. You know, brought the cost right down and, and made it uh, nice and accessible for everyone. And uh, yeah, these days we uh, you know take out uh, oh sort of seven or eight thousand people a year. Uh, you know, I mean, in, in better times pre COVID, we'd uh, have up to about forty percent of our clientele would uh, would be from overseas. And uh, certainly looking forward to that uh, that bouncing back in the in the you know coming months and years sort of thing as as the world starts to travel again. But uh, look, so cage diving is the main part of what we do. Um, so it's a full day out of Port Lincoln. Uh, it's about three hours steam from from Port Lincoln down to the Neptune Islands, which is a big uh, seal colony. It's about thirty five thousand. Long-nosed fur seals uh, call that place home, and uh, that sort of well, I guess that's a favoured food of the of the white sharks, and it's a pretty handy stop off uh, for them as they're uh, making their way around the uh, around the coast. Uh, but another part of what we do is uh, is swimming with the sea lions, so the uh, Australian sea lions. They're actually an endangered species. Just uh, in the last twelve months, they've actually elevated their uh, their protection status from vulnerable to endangered uh, to. Uh, Sort of yes, uh, acknowledge their, their continual decline. So uh, basically, in the last uh, 20 years, we've unfortunately managed to wipe out about 50% of that Australian sea lion population. Uh, so that in itself is a, a really special experience and uh, and, and something that that uh, draws a crowd from uh, from far and wide as well. You have the uh, with with what you offer the ability to to do both both uh, cage dive and swim with the the sea lions. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, yep. I take it you're doing the the swimming with the sea lions first before showing them what else is lurking in in the, in the uh, depths. Look, uh, look, look, well, you'd, you'd be naive to jump in the water anywhere uh, around Australia and, and not think that something's going to uh, you know potentially be there to to, to get you. I mean, if you uh, if you're in the south, you've got sharks. If you're in the north, you've got crocodiles, sort of thing. So uh, yeah, I think Alice Springs is about the only safe place in Australia, really. But then you've got the snakes up there as well. So uh, yeah, look, I mean, we we do a combo tour, so we can do do both the experiences on the same day, and and yes, we most definitely do the the sea lions on the way to the shark diving. Uh, we also get a lot of people that decide to. Uh, you know, spread it out. If they're they coming to town for a few days, they might do the shark diving one day and do the sea lions, you know, the day before or the day after sort of thing because um, the sea lions in itself is about a half-day experience. So, uh, um, yeah, typically a, a morning trip, but then in the, in the summertime we also do a, a second trip in the afternoon as well. And uh, yeah, with the in the summer, you know, with the uh, daylight saving, we can we can sneak in a, a second uh, shark diving trip. So basically, sort of November through to uh, through to the end of January, we uh, do our, our standard trip in the morning, and then get the uh, get the combo tour in in the afternoon. So you sort of yeah have a bit of a sleep in, and uh, but then you don't get home until about half past ten in the evening, sort of thing. But uh, um, so yeah, we we, we do it uh, yeah which, whichever way people want it, but. Uh, um, but yeah, both uh, both are a lot of fun in their own right. 
We've seen on social media and the, the ability of, of social media is to connect people uh, right around the world and, and, and different experiences and whatnot. And when we posted during the week that we were going to have uh, you on from, from Calypso Star Charters, we had a few questions sent in. Um, have you had any experiences like we've seen overseas with uh, great white sharks uh, getting inside the cage? That was a sort of a, a common question. Um, that, that, that we've had. Have you had throughout your time uh, on the boat, have you had any hairy moments? Because when you look through Calypso Star socials and the photos, it's um, it's pretty significant equipment that you're running with. I'm, I'm not sure, unless it's a uh, the biggest shark ever, I'm not sure it's getting getting through the, uh, the cage work that you've had designed. Yeah, no, look, uh, I mean, unfortunately, there are some incidents that have uh, occurred... Uh, in different parts around the world, uh, thankfully, in touch wood, none of, none of that's been uh, been here in Port Lincoln. Um, so, look, I mean, you know, in Australia, we've obviously got some pretty uh, pretty stringent, uh, you know, s- survey and uh, worksafe standards that we've got to uh, uphold. And uh, and at the end of the day, everyone that comes on our boat, we want to want to make sure they jump off our boat too, sort of thing. <laughs> so, you know, that's uh, yeah, it's not. I can't imagine it being too real good for business. So, uh, no, look, the uh, you know the cages have been uh, been refined and, uh, and and improved over the years and, uh, and 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 the other important thing is I mean we we've got a, a duty to keep not only our uh, our customers and our guests safe but uh, but also got to design our cages to uh, to keep the sharks safe as well sort of thing so uh, you know they you know using round bars instead of square material on the cages and uh, nice radius corners instead of sharp points and stuff like that um, you know removing a lot of the mesh that uh, that you know can break if it uh, if it does get a good whack by a shark, but uh, um, yeah, so we we've designed it to uh, to, to be safe for, uh, for for people in the cage and the sharks outside of the cage. But also, there's a lot of uh, rules and regulations that we've got to uh, uh, work under as well. You know, we're licensed by the uh, Department of Environment, and they've got some pretty stringent. Uh, Rules around the uh, the use of bait and uh, you know how much bait and burley we can use and and you know e- even things that if we if we lose a bait or if the shark does make contact with the cage uh, you know we've got to got to take the bait out of the water for a quarter of an hour and, and and things like that you know it's all it's all there to uh, to to make sure that the that the industry is of, of a high standard and and very highly regarded uh, around the world sort of thing like we we like to think that it's best practice worldwide but uh, I'm sure other operators elsewhere. Are will tell you that they're uh, they're at the top of their game as well. But um, you've got to remember that shark diving actually started here in in, in South Australia. You know, back in the uh, in the early seventies with the likes of Rodney Fox and uh, Ron and Valerie Taylor and people like that. So you know, we've had a, had a lot of time to uh, to get it right. And uh, yeah, we you know work work pretty hard, and the team's pretty passionate about uh, about keeping you know people, but also the, the sharks safe and and looking after the environment that we work in as well. Andrew Wright, uh, sharkcagediving.com.au is the website. Calypso Star Charters is the name recognised right around the world as the best when it comes to diving with great white sharks. Andrew, thank you so much for your time this morning on Real Adventures. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, Patrick. Have a great day. Red's Review for Club Marine, Australia's leading provider of boat insurance. 
It's time for Red's review for Club Marine. Now, Redmond, during the week, you actually went out on a, uh, I was going to say a charter, but not a charter, actually, a bit of a test drive with uh, Andrew Stephen from Melbourne Marine and a young, or not a young man, an older man was, uh, was in search of a new rig. And it got us talking around just how important it is, if you're going to spend the money on a new boat, how important it is to actually go out and spend time in the model that you're going to be looking at purchasing and whether, in fact, it actually is right for you and the style of fishing that you're going to do. Yeah, you nailed on the head. It was actually a gentleman that was a fair bit older and his son who was probably a bit older than myself, so maybe around the 35, 40, and the gentleman was uh, they fish out of Lake's Entrance, uh, chasing swordfish, bottom fishing, snapper fishing, all sorts of fishing. Now, they wanted a boat that suited and catered them as well as the old man. So what I mean by that is they didn't want a boat that had a massive, extremely sharp dead rise. And what I mean by that with the entry into the water, that's a deep V hull where it tends to rock and roll and end up on drifting side on. And that's So this is this is the dead rise. We're talking about the front of the boat. So when the boat, the, the fiberglass hits the water, just how sharp that angle is. The sharper it is, generally the more performance oriented it. But what it does mean is it can be rocky at rest. It very rocky at rest. And the, the reason for it is when you're drifting for swords and they're drifting for sharks and drifting for their snapper and doing the likes, what they want the boat to do is they want to have their steering wheel basically straight and they want to be able to drift with the nose and the arse of the boat going up and down rather than the side going side to side. And a lot of deep v hulls don't do that. So they come out in your 750 North Bank uh, pinch that off the harbour. Andrew asked me a few weeks ago if we could take that for a spin. I met him over at Sorrento. And also a key factor to it, I rang Andrew. I said, look, I rang him on the, on the weekend. I said, the weather's looking horrific for Monday. You've got 30-knot 30, uh, 30 winds. It's going to be horrible out there. Ask him if they want to go. It doesn't worry me. I'm happy to punch across. It's easy. But do they want to go? And they said, well, that's why we want to test drive the boat on the day. We don't want to go out in glass calm conditions because that's every boat performs great in glass calm um, conditions. So they wanted to go in a little bit of slop. They wanted to do a bit of their work out there. He drove the boat. He put it side on. He used. He wanted to use also, Pat, with the lake's entrance, they want twin engines. So if they're traveling for the swordfish 90 kilometers, he wanted to use it on one engine too. So turn one engine off, trim it out, and drive on one so make sure it had enough power to get him back and it drove safely to get him back which it did how'd, how'd it go because we actually haven't ever done that you no, know i've done i've definitely did it one of the first times to make sure between engines. yeah it was uh it's where it i think we got up to about 18 kilometers now which yep. well and truly gets you back uh easy not an issue i wasn't i wasn't even he was i did the guy let the, the fellow drive it and he wasn't going too hard on it at all he was just it was revving a fair bit but he wasn't going full steam on it you wouldn't want to go full steam on it too much work but it went really really well it, it catered for all, everything they needed in the end they put the depo- they actually put a deposit down as soon as we got off the water which was terrific so they're another 750 north bank owner which is amazing even though it's about 16 years to get a boat but are, are we um are we taking that um that sale are we sending an invoice for commission or well what's the protocol there uh, that's a soft spot at the moment. I shouldn't have told you we sold it because I wanted the whole lot. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's uh, you just got to buy a boat for what you need, and that's what these fellas they've been test driving multiple boats, different size hulls, different dead rises, different everything to cater for them. They've actually got a boat now that's twenty eight foot, and it's just too big for them. They just didn't want to use yeah. that. They've had to upgrade their car. They've got it. 
So they want to come back. They wanted to stick to glass. They didn't want to go to the aluminium side of things. And this is a boat that catered for them. It sort of it's an all round boat. The North Bank, like we've always said, it's it's not going to be the first one to the shelf in milliseconds, but it'll be won't be far behind it and every other boat. But as a performance boat fishing out of, you, you got to remember with your traveling, you're only traveling for a period of time where when you're fishing, you, you're fishing majority of the time. So yeah. that's what I've catered for. I used to be all about getting there in a hurry, going fast, but now it's about trying to cater for everything. And if you change one thing in a boat, it's going to wreck something else in another. You're going to lose something in another factor. So you need to cater for it. And that's why you and I both love these boats, whether it's my little boat or your 750, but it is up to what, uh, you want to see in a boat and how you want it to perform, and that will literally you need you need sorry you need to go out and test run it. You just need to you need to jump on the boat and test run it. That's the key to it. Beautiful work, Redmond. That is Red's review for Club Marine. That was Red's review for Club Marine. Insure your boat or jet ski with Club Marine, Australia's leading provider of boat insurance. Check the PDS to see if this insurance is right for you. You're listening to Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood. Welcome back to Real Adventures. It's time for Red's tip. Redmond, having just spent a couple of days up in Noosa thawing out after uh, what's been some bloody cold weather in Victoria over the last few weeks, going to a new place, the simplest way to feel relaxed, I think if you're interested in fishing and boating, just hire a boat and spend some time on the canal. It was just bloody sensational. And furthermore, what we did in order to cater for the kids, rather than going your typical tinny, we went the pontoon boat, the party boat. Yeah. Um, but for the kids, it meant they're, they're super safe. Um, they've got doors on every side, but you can't you can't push through them and it's really difficult. You can't stand up over the side of them. So for anyone with kids uh, that's looking to rent a boat, particularly in a sort of closed canal estuary type system, rent a pontoon boat because it makes it so much easier for your kids to actually enjoy their time. They can still move about it without you stressing whether they're going to fall over the side. They're well set up in terms of the seating um, accommodation, plus plenty of them now all have barbecue set up so you can cook yourself a few sausages and then catch yourself uh, a few brim, which I caught 30 of them, Redmond. It was 40 at the start of the show, but we'll go. Was with it 40, was it? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Sound like me. better and better as the show goes on. And that is Red's tip. Now, the flying gap is a cracker this week. You, uh, you've been oh. trawling through uh, – you know, and just keeping an eye on inflation, and we know the building industry, the boating industry, four by four, everything. There seems to be huge inflation with everything, but nothing quite like that that you tracked down during the week. Well, I went to buy a lettuce during the week, Pat. They were sold out of them, and I seen one on on. I think it was a gum tree for sixteen dollars for a lettuce. So I had I bought that. But that, that, that's a little bit exciting. I saw fuels come up, diesel now, sitting at about $264 a litre. <laughs> now, if you actually head over to New South Wales with the flying gaff, uh, I found a watermelon that was worth, a watermelon, Pat, that was worth. Yes, watermelon, like that. At $102 for a watermelon. That- that cannot be right. Surely I, that was a misprint. I read the article about it, and I even seen the photos of the tag on the actual watermelon. And not only the grocer 
wrote a statement saying it's due to the prices of the floods that were up north, blah, 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 in Australia, because New Zealand import their water loans from Australia. And sorry, that, you said New South Wales at the start. We're talking New Zealand. Sorry, did I say? I meant to say New yes, Zealand. New Zealand. So, they ruin the whole don't want, to con- don't want to confuse anyone. <laughs> no, it's from New Zealand. Sorry. I, I know you're, you're excited to take over the gaff, and you, you've gaffed yourself from the very start. Well, I've stuffed it, but the watermelon was $102 in New Zealand. They're blaming the floods and the import prices from Australia. I reckon it's a load of crap. It has to be a <laughs> You thought petrol prices were bad, but uh, watermelon's now $102, and it comes with a gold outside, not green. <laughs> Beautiful work, Redmond. Uh, we hope you've enjoyed the show. We'll see you on the water next week. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semi finals, all thanks to McDonald's. Mackers, together and loving it. TNCs apply.